Welcome to the webinar today. We'll get started in just a minute or two. All right, let me get started with our housekeeping. Um, welcome to today's Journal Club webinar. My name is Rachel Dager. I'm the Executive Director of SNEB and glad you're joining us for our uh, best of series. Uh, the article today was, runner, uh, was a runner up for uh, best article in JNEB. Um, so just to get us started, I have turned on the transcription option. Um, so if you want to use that closed captioning feature here in Zoom, please turn that on as we follow along. And then I am going to drop the slides for today into the chat panel. Um, so please download those slides and follow along with the presentation. Uh, we will take questions at the end of the presentation. Uh, please type those in the chat box or the Q&A box uh, so we can moderate the, those questions to our presenter. Uh, when we close the webinar today, uh, please look for a short survey. We appreciate your feedback on this session as well as ideas for future webinars. And then watch for an email this week, um, probably on Wednesday, which includes a link to the recording, uh, the handout, and the CEU certificate that you're earning for your attendance. Um, and I'll do a little extra housekeeping um, just to remind you, there's a, a DEI webinar that SNEB is hosting this coming Friday. Um, and also there is a resolution, um, SNEB's DEI statement, uh, that's open for voting. So all of that information is um, up on the website. Um, encourage you to uh, try to attend that webinar, um, but also pay attention to the resolution. Um, the voting for that closes on November the 28th. So I will turn things over to our moderator. Dr. Kristen DiFilippo is a teaching assistant professor at the University of Illinois. Thank you, Rachel. Today I get to introduce our speaker. Paola Sefran Barado is a PhD student and the postgraduate program in pediatrics, child and adolescent healthcare at the Federal University of Health Sciences of Porto Alegre. Paola has a master's degree in pediatrics from UFCSPA and graduated as a nutrition from nutritionist from there as well. Currently, Paola is a researcher at the Nutrition Research Center. I want to thank her for joining us today and for sharing her work with us. At this point, I can pass it over to our speaker. Thank you, Kristen, for the introduction. I'm very glad to be here, very happy to be here for this opportunity. So yes, I am a nutritionist from, from Brazil. And the reason why I am presenting this manuscript today is because it was a part of my dissertation some years ago. So I'm, I'm presenting in the name of the rest of the authors. 
Uh, I put the logo of Capis here, the blue one, because it's my aging, uh, my founding agency. Nupeng, as you said, Kristen, it's my research group from Brazil. Ofspa is my university from Brazil. And Marcia Regina Vitolo, it's my advisor. So I would like to start this presentation saying that I have no conflicts of interest uh, in relation to this presentation, but the study that I will present today received grants from three different uh, organs in Brazil. So the Ministry of Health, the Research Support Foundation from our state and the National Council for Scientific and Technological Development. So here are the three uh, competencies that are regarding my presentation. <clears throat> the first one about food and nutrition policy, then nutrition education program and nutrition education research methods. So about my presentation today, I would like to start with a little bit of the story about uh, our previous studies then why we choose to work with added sugar, why we choose to investigate the consumption of added sugar in the first years of life, then the major results from the manuscript we published at the journal, some of the future steps, another uh, study that we are conducting in Brazil right now, and I will finalize with some take-home messages from the study and also from my presentation. This is a photo of uh, Porto Alegre, which is the city that I come from. Also the same city that our study was conducted in 2008. So just to give you, to give you an idea of our scenario. So um, the first study that Marcia, my advisor, she conducted in Brazil started in 2001 with about 500 mothers in the South of Brazil. And the objective, it was to verify the effectiveness of a strategy uh, of a material the, the Ministry of Health of Brazil create. So here is the version in Portuguese. We don't have a translation to the English, but I can say that it's something like the 10 steps to the healthy infant feeding practices in the two years of, of age or for children under two years of age. So in this study, we applied the intervention directly to the mothers. And then we reinforce the intervention through 10 home visits from the first to the 12th months of life of their children. So uh, after that, we followed the children at six and 12 months of age, and also at three, seven and 12 years of age. So here are some of the manuscripts that we published at the time. So as you can see, we were very happy. We were very glad that the intervention was effective, that the material, it was useful to the population. So we got our point. Uh, the mothers understand, understood the message and we could reduce the prevalency of anemia in the first year of life for children in their intervention group. We could improve the quality of the complementary feeding. Uh, we could also prevent the early childhood caries. We could reduce the consumption of energy dense foods, which nowadays we call ultra processed foods. Another paper about caries and even to modify the, the, the intervention was effective to modify uh, the DNA methylation in the children from the intervention group. So when we found the results, when we start to evaluate the outcomes, we were very happy, but then 
we keep receiving the questions like, okay, from especially from the Ministry of Health, which was one of the agent, the founding agencies, they asked us, okay, this is really good, this is very <clears throat> nice, but it is feasible in the real world. Can we uh, apply this in the real? Can you afford to give ten home visits to every mother in Brazil? Uh, can we apply this in the unified health system that we have right now? And then our answer was like, well, we don't know, probably not. We don't. We have to evaluate. So the major point was that yes, we had a lot of good results, but it wasn't feasible in the real world. At least we didn't know at the time. So to answer, to reply at all of these questions, Marcia, my advisor, she conducted another study in the same part of Brazil. It's, it's the southwest state of Brazil, uh, but this was in the capital in 2008 with 700 mothers. And then she applied the same intervention. She used the same material but she applied intervention to the primary care workers in the unified health system. So it was only one training session. It was about 60 minutes. She talked about breastfeeding, complementary feeding, added sugar, and a lot of non-recommended foods that we know that we knew that children were used to eat at the time. So it was just one, uh, one program, one session of intervention to all of the health workers in the, in the healthcare centers allocated to intervention groups. So after that, we followed the children attended at the healthcare centers at six and 12 months of age, and also at three and seven years of age. So this is a picture the, uh, of Marcia talking to the healthcare workers, the primary care workers, and the other one is just a picture about one of the healthcare centers uh, enrolled at our study at the time. So to reinforce this one training session, we created some materials. So the first one, uh, the white one with the figures, the foods, it was to hang in the walls of the primary, primary care uh, centers. So it's in Portuguese, but I can translate it's something like uh, until the two years of age, Please not offer um, any sugar, chocolates, biscuits, jelly, chips, soda, or any non-recommended food. And you should offer fresh foods, right? So orange, bananas, apples, rice and beans, which is very common in Brazil, because your son has a son or, or a daughter has the entire life to experiment. So after the two years of age, your kid, your children, they are allowed to consume all of kinds of foods, but you should control the, the amount of food. So this is the, the, the major message from the poster. Also, in addition, we created this green one, the 10 steps. It, is, uh, it was a pocket uh, book for the health professionals. So they have it during the appointments. They could check the information to tell the mothers uh, and the other one, the last one, the orange with pink, it was developed uh, especially for the mothers. So they could have the information, uh, a brief, um, it was basically the 10 steps, the same information that we had in the same step, but translate to the mothers. 
So after that, we started to evaluate the outcomes, the impact of this new study, and it was also very good. We have results until um, up to the six years of age, so we can find a reduced uh, adiposity at six years of age. We could find less uh, glucose, uh, a reduced glucose profile and insulin resistant at the age of eight years. We could find some impact on complementary feeding in high rates of breastfeeding. Also about caries, uh, also to reduce the gain weight speed and a lot of good results. So we were very proud of this study as well. We were very happy. And then we start to see the recent recommendations about from American Heart Association and from the World Health Organization uh, for children to avoid added sugars in the first two years of life. So we started to think, well, maybe our intervention with the healthcare centers, it was also effective to reduce the consumption of added sugar. So we need to investigate that. And <clears throat> the first step to develop this idea, you was to understand what is exactly added sugars, right? Because I think that many of us can have different definitions. So we start to look from the definitions that we had at the time. And for this manuscript, we use the definition from USDA and the World Health Organization. So added sugars is ba are basically any kind of sugars added uh, to foods by the manufacturer, cook, or consumer, which means that we considered for this manuscript any kind of sugar added by the food industry to the foods or uh, by the mothers or caregivers to the homemade recipes. So any kind of sugar that children could possibly consume, it was considered to this results that I will show you today. So this is the paper that it was published in the journal. The primary objective, it was to investigate the training program that we created regarding infant feeding practices to reduce added sugar consumption in children. So I put up a picture of Brazil here. This is the entire picture in South America. And then you can see Brazil. And the red area is our state. As I told you before, this is the southeast state of Brazil. Uh, we call Rio Grande do Sul, which is something like the big river from south. And then after the intervention with the primary care workers, we evaluate the children that they attended in these ages that I'm showing you here at this slide. So <clears throat> to verify the amount of added sugar that children were consuming, we used 24-hour recalls. So every children had two 24-hour recalls. And we asked mother about the details on the types of food, the amounts, the recipes, the brands. And then we calculated the 24-hour recalls using the Dietwin software, which is from Brazil as well. So about the added sugar, the amount of added sugar in grams per day, we evaluate every kind of food that the children consume. We create a whole new database and then we verify the amount of sugar that every food was providing. So for that, we use 
uh, our first option, it was always to use the nutritional lab label. But when it was not available, we used the nutritional composition tables from Brazil or from the USDA. So here, as, as the results, I can show you that we worked with 20 healthcare centers in the, uh, this state of Brazil. Nine of them were allocated to the intervention group and 11 of them uh, were allocated to the control group. So after the intervention, we enrolled, enrolled women attended at the healthcare centers. And after that, we started to follow their children at six months, three years, and six years. So here in this picture, you can see that we had some losses between the follow-ups, but that was majorly because these families, they used to move a lot. And then at the time, remember it was 2008, we didn't have, not all of them had uh, cell phones or any kind of contact that we could try to find them uh, between follow-ups. So it was sometimes it was really hard to find a family. So that was, that was why we had these losses between each one of the waves. So here in the first time of uh, the first part of the results, I would like to show you that about 20% of the mothers had less than 20 years of age when the children were born. About 30% of them had less than eight years of formal education. And the monthly family income, it was more or less than $600 at the time that the interview were, uh, the interviews were conducted. So this is the table showing the major results from the manuscript. As you can see here, the intervention that we applied, it was effective to reduce the prevalence of, of children receiving sugar before four months of age. So this is a really good result for us because we know that it's a time that they are very, mothers used to offer children uh, sugar very often, especially inside of the baby bottles. So we were very happy with those results. Uh, and also at three years of age, we, the intervention was effective to reduce the amount of added sugar that children was uh, children were consuming. So not at the six years, but at the three years, we could find this result. Remember that it was just one training session. So three years later to find this result, it's very, uh, it's very impressive. So as the final part of the results from the manuscript, I would like to show you that it was uh, the impact that we found about the prevalence of children receiving sugar in the intervention in the control group. It was, if it was uh, statistically significant in all the months from the first to the sixth months of age, not just the four. Uh, but then when we saw these results, we were, of course, we were happy, we were proud of the results, but then we started to think, well, why could we not prevent 100%, right? We were talking about this, we were emphasizing a lot of this information. So why could we not prevent 100%? We know that there's a lot of things, a lot of variables involved with these results, social and, and cultural barriers for this. But also we realized that in the unified health system in Brazil, the health uh, professionals, they just talk about complementary feeding at the six months appointment. 
So when we realized that, we were like, well, maybe we should start to talk to mothers before the six months of age to prevent the introduction in the first six months of life. Uh, so that was the major, the major uh, reason why we created a third study with a different, a modified strategy to prevent the consumption of sugar and ultra-processed foods in the first year of life. So this one is the one that I'm working right now at Rutgers. Uh, that's why I'm here. It is a multi-center randomized field trial in Brazil. And then, as you can see, there's a lot of people involved with this, this program here. But the major difference, it was that the intervention was applied directly to mothers inside of the maternity hospitals during the enrollment. So right after children's birth. And for that, to reinforce the intervention, we provide two uh, materials. The first one, it was developed directly for the, the, especially for the study, it's only in Portuguese. But the second one, it was developed by UNICEF and my advisor in Brazil, Marcia. And there is a Spanish version for the second one. You can Google it if you want to. And I don't have the results yet, but I'm working with the database. So I, I will have the results really soon. So to finalize uh, some of the, the take-home messages, the first one it is that yes, primary care intervention can be a promising strategy to reduce added sugar, at least in our population. Of course, there is a, still a need to complementary strategies to improve our results. And further studies are needed to better understand the cultural and social barriers to the early offer of added sugar. So that was my presentation for today. I would like to thank you so much for the attention and I'm ready for the questions. Yeah, if people have any questions, please go ahead and put those into the question box. Um, I know you mentioned added sugars and then you mentioned sugars. When you were measuring, were you measuring total sugar in the diet or you were specifically just adding added sugars or measuring added sugars? It was total, total sugar. Total sugars. So when you look at it, what percentage of the sugars were you able to look at were from naturally occurring sugars, such as might be found in in milk naturally or as they aged in fruit? No, sorry, I have to correct myself. Uh, <clears throat> not the intrinsic sugars, just the ex, I think it's extrinsic sugar. Okay. So the, the natural one we did not consider, like sugar from uh, milk, you know, and, and orange juices. Uh, just the the added, um, I think it's as extrinsic. Yeah, but not not the natural ones. Okay, it's inside of fresh food, not not the ones. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I understood that correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you think about this intervention, I know one thing you talked about at the beginning is, could it be expanded to a larger population? What barriers or what facilitators did you find to expanding to a larger population? Well, uh, you mean when we try to do in a motor center? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we find, I, I already have some of the results and we can find that even that we try to train the teams in the same way, we had different results because we had different um, cultural 
manners in each one of our states. So as an example, uh, one of the states was uh, Amazon. I think you are you are you can you can understand the state, the one from that has the forest, yeah. and they do not consume any kind of jelly. So because it's not cultural to them, I don't know, but it, it, in, in our state, in the southwest state of Brazil, we had a large impact of jelly, jelly consumption. We could prevent a lot of jelly consumption in the intervention group. So it was, it was very um, interesting to realize that even that children are the same age, the, the food that they consume because they are from different states, it's very different. So our maybe we have to uh, adapt our material, maybe a different material from each part of Brazil, uh, yeah. targeting the specific non-recommended foods that children are consuming in, in each state. This is just an example. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one question, is there a lot of standardization in maternity and postnatal care within and among the states in Brazil? Is there what? Sorry, the first word. Yeah, it. standardization. So if if oh. you were to go to a maternity, um, have received maternity care or postnatal care in one state versus another state, would it look the same? Is it standardized or would it vary based on the provider? Yeah, in this case, we worked with three hospitals um, and they participate from the same uh, initiative. We call baby friendly initiative. Mm -hmm. So all these mothers, they are from different states, but they were receiving the same information at the end of the, the after the birth. So we just added a little bit more about added sugar, but they received the same um, the information at the time. And is that common across Brazil or was it specific to the hospitals you were working with? No, we can say that it's very common. I think that every state has a lot of hospitals like this. Okay. Thank you. What are you most excited to learn about from your next study that you're currently working on? Oh, it's this difference that I mentioned you about the children because we were very surprised. And actually uh, the ultra processed foods, they are different. Uh, and we, we, we were hoping that they were consuming more fresh foods, you know, because we also have this vision of Brazil that the, the regions are very different from each other. So we were expecting that children from, from Amazon, they would consume more fish, for example, and not as much as we in, the, in, the, in our state in the South. But we could not see that. We, we just saw a lot of consumption of ultra processed food and a really small consumption of fresh food. And for this age, it should, should be the opposite, right? Yeah. So. I'm analyzing the intervention in control group, but after that, I will analyze the regions, uh, the three different regions and how the consumption is different between okay. them. Well, I believe that is all the questions that we have. Um, if we don't have any more, then I can pass it over to Rachel. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you once again to our speaker and our moderator. Um, we appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us today. Just a few reminders before we close today's session. Please complete the survey you will receive when we close out of the session momentarily. Your feedback is greatly appreciated as we plan future uh, SNEB Journal Clubs. Be on the lookout for an email with today's recording. 
handout and your CEU certificate. And if you enjoyed today's webinar, uh, be sure to check out the upcoming webinar section of the website. This concludes today's session. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and I see you. <laughs>